Mother, a place where we unpack all things related to motherhood. This is a community where we aim to create a comfortable space that allows for active discussion without judgment. Find us at thecuriousmother.com and follow us on social media. Our Instagram is at thecuriousmother. Welcome back to The Curious Mother. I'm Kristen Daly. I'm Melissa Miller. So Melissa, what have you been thinking a lot about lately? Uh, The only thing I'm thinking about is the upcoming school year. And I think all mothers would agree. So I'm pretty excited. I think, Kristen, you have found a fantastic guest for us today. Yes. So quarantine schooling is on everybody's mind. I have to admit that I have a little bit of a hidden agenda with our session. We are lucky to be joined by Dr. Chrissy Rains. Chrissy actually works in my practice. She is a clinical psychologist who works with young children, older children, adolescents, even all the way up to young adults. She joined our practice a little over a year ago. Uh, She had been working at Nationwide Children's Hospital in Ohio, and we were super excited to be able to have her join us. And I have been racking my brain of different ways that I could hold Chrissy hostage and ask her questions about how we survive quarantine schooling. And then it occurred to me, I have a podcast. I could just try to have her be a guest. <laughs> so, so it worked because she's with us today. So welcome, Chrissy. Thank you. Thank you both so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> couple of things. I know that you have a lot of specialized experience in working with ADHD, working with uh, parents who maybe have behavioral problems with kids. I would imagine that this trying to figure out this hybrid of being a parent and then also trying to keep your kid focused on school is going to be a particular challenge for uh, families this fall. Any ideas about what parents can do to try to help make this go a little smoothly? I appreciate the question because it implies that parents are already thinking ahead and trying to be proactive about this. And I, I think that's the best starting place, honestly. You know, everybody is understandably feeling the stress of having to transition school to now virtual school and school from home. I think there are several things that parents can do to help prepare. Um, And one of the best recommendations that I can give is that parents sit down with their kids, especially if you have older kids or teens, and think through a school schedule that works for your family. For example, Kristen, that you will be home for some time in the fall with your kids as they get started Mm -hmm. with school. Parents have that sort of flexibility to be with their kids for part of the day, you know, thinking about how we can maximize those time periods to get some effective work done, to create task lists for the remaining parts of the day, just really trying to sit down and and develop a schedule that's going to work for your family. Schools, I think, are going to have different levels of flexibility and how students will log on. There may be some required times for sort of in-person virtual learning sessions. There may be, though, more flexibility where families families can also do what works best for them. Trying to create some sort of a schedule, family routine for virtual school is is one great place to start. Along those lines as well, I've also been recommending that families develop like a workspace for virtual school. All too often, I think some of our older kids and teens want to lay in bed and have the laptop on their laps and do learning where they feel comfortable, which 
is understandable, but it's also not great for focus, for reducing fatigue. And then also, Kristen, I'm sure you could chime in on the impacts of sleep if we do our work primarily in our beds. Um, Mm -hmm. So trying to get families to just think about, you know, a, a dedicated space in the home where they can set up a virtual learning location for kids, putting necessary supplies there, um, you know, making sure you have great internet connection, obviously there, (laughs) just trying to sort of think through what might be a helpful, conducive space for learning. Mm-hmm. Christy, you wrote a great article that I read today and really loved about helping parents prepare. And one thing that you wrote in there was that kids should eat breakfast on time, they should mm-hmm. be dressed. And those are yes. things I hadn't even been considering, mm-hmm. but it really does start the day and make it feel a bit more official. Where I know in, in quarantine in the spring, I think everyone was just sort of all over the place. Um, <laughs> and we just can't make those same mistakes in the fall. So I like the routine. Absolutely. And and I think, you know, we would all hope that the eventual goal is to also get back to school. So it's great if we can maintain some of these routines, you know, and, and have kids getting up, getting dressed, you know, putting the pajamas away, having meals so that they're prepared for the school day, like we would hope they would be for an in-person school day as well. Parents working from home and also facilitating school from home. If you can also just focus on some of those basics, I think it also just alleviates a a little bit of that stress that we're all feeling with the loss of control, how things have have sort of shifted for this year, this semester at least. (laughs) I know I actually saw something and I don't know if it's our school system or not, but one of the school systems somewhere in the area has released a statement saying that it was really important that kids get dressed for school, that they don't want kids attending virtual school in their pajamas. And initially I thought, wait a second, you know, that seemed a little bit stern as I've been really enjoying working, like pretty much being only fully dressed from the (laughs) the waist up. (laughs) But I also feel that I totally, I do get it because there is something to that, that pattern of getting dressed, right? Our school, if you are going to be working from home virtually, has asked, we're a uniform school, and they've asked that you're in your uniform when you're logged on, and it does kind of add that feeling of like, okay, I'm ready to work. So there is something mentally that's important about that. Mm -hmm. Dress for success, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anything else that you, as you're talking about that, that class environment or setting up that you know, the study environment, any other elements that are kind of key to making that be a good place to focus? Sure. I mean, I think, you know, you, you want to make sure that the lighting, of course, is, is conducive to learning and that it's a, a well-lit space. Minimal distractions, if we can eliminate distractions completely, that's great, but that's also not realistic in a lot of households. Um, you know, you're going to have pets and maybe other siblings and parents working from home too. So at least trying to minimize distractions. Um, I would say, you know, not having the TV on in the background is going to be key for a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. I also have been thinking about how to create a little bit of boundaries within that space. If you do have multiple kids who are completing school from home, you know, I'm sure we all can remember those cardboard trifold stands that we used for science fair projects, you know, thinking about something as simple as that could be set up as sort of a boundary for your child's workspace to reduce the visual contact that they might have with, with siblings or with peers who are sharing the space. And I think that's, you know, kind of a fun idea too. Maybe the kids can decorate that um, to 
to, to make it more personalized, put up a calendar on, on mm -hmm. the front piece of the board so that they can see their schedule for the day and also view long-term tasks. So just trying to, again, create some personalization maybe within the space, but also making sure that it is conducive to learning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. Yeah. I heard... I heard from a lot of moms in the spring that their kids just sort of gave up. So I'm, I'm curious with this fall, any advice for how to get kids to understand that this is really school, that it does matter and how to get them to engage? Sure. That's a great question. I, you know, I will say too, from a general perspective that I hope a lot of lessons were learned in the spring, right? I think by, by families as well as, you know, school staff that were scrambling to really make the transition to virtual learning. You know, everybody's had a little bit more time to prepare for this fall semester. So I'm hoping that, you know, teachers can also support that increased engagement, um, maybe with fun activities to still get to know the class and classmates as things are getting started. I, I think this all also sort of goes back to having that routine and that structure in place. You know, if we can get up and treat this like a school day, get dressed, eat breakfast, go to your workspace, you know, we can sort of create that that expectation of having a normal school day under abnormal circumstances. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm also definitely a fan of, of rewards and incentives where we need to use those, right? I mean, I think a lot of our kids are not necessarily intrinsically motivated by learning. Um, so we can provide a little bit of that external motivation as well. Maybe that's a special activity when the school day is done um, and, and the, the tasks that were on the to-do list have been completed. You know, maybe it's a special treat at lunch if they've done a great job with completing some tasks in the morning. For younger kids, you might need to provide those rewards and incentives a bit more frequently throughout the day to keep them engaged. For older kids, maybe they could go, you know, the full day <laughs> before they get their reward. But just trying, you, you also know your child best, right? And so trying to match maybe some of the scheduling considerations and then the incentives as well to the things that they inherently like and are good at. You know, we can alternate for example, subjects that they like with maybe subjects that they don't enjoy so much just to keep them moving between different tasks. Again, that's assuming we have some flexibility with the schoolwork and the way that things can be scheduled, um, but hopefully parents can sort of collaborate with teachers to also make some of those adjustments if needed. One of the things I did this spring was I, because we had empty offices at work, I alternated taking one kid with me each day. And it was interesting because the goal was to give them space to focus because our two younger ones kept agitating each other and distracting each other from schoolwork. And it turned into this big reward for them. And I think part of that was I would order lunch. And I mean, really, that was just because that's the flow of my day. <laughs> but they loved the idea of being able to be there for lunch and order lunch. Mm -hmm. And we had sodas in the machine and they, you know, in the refrigerator and they thought that that was the greatest thing ever. So it's, it's funny to think about how without meaning to, there were these like built in rewards into the pacing of their day. Absolutely. I think it's also so good to normalize what you just said, Chrissy, of kids aren't super excited to learn. And that's normal. That's okay. I've had so many parents mm -hmm. who've been like, I don't understand why she's not taking this seriously. It's like, that's really normal. How do we, how do we get them on board for other reasons? <laughs> exactly. And I think the hope is always, you know, that if we are providing some rewards and incentives that maybe that, that intrinsic motivation comes as well, you know, that they also start to, you know, realize that it, it, 
it works to stay on top of your assignments. And it's a good thing to, you know, spend some time learning and find that balance each day. Um, so we, we always hope that we don't have to use rewards forever <laughs> to make things, to, to get things done. But I think that it's a, a very reasonable strategy for parents to uh, adopt as the school year is kicking off. Tell me, are there any other special considerations that parents of kids with ADHD might need to have in place as they're preparing for the fall? Absolutely. Um, and, and I again, I think it's great if parents are already thinking about, you know, how to tailor some of their learning expectations or, or strategies for kids who have maybe ADHD or, or anxiety or even any learning differences. For ADHD in particular, think about the accommodations that kids are getting at school. You know, sometimes that's, you know, having some fidget objects or having like a wiggle seat. Can we make some similar sort of adjustments at, at home? Maybe your child doesn't have to sit at a table and, and look at their screen? Can they stand up? Can they sit on an exercise ball? Can they carry a tablet around as long as they're paying attention? Pick your battles. If your child is learning and they're engaged with the task, they could maybe be moving a bit more freely. Think about too, you know, how kids with ADHD can struggle with organization and time management, especially as we're kicking off the school year. Parents may need to support their kids and even their teenagers with those things a little bit differently. We would hope that we can sort of scaffold that support, meaning like pull it back as, as kids get it um, and are able to sort of do it more independently. But it, it may be worth some of the short-term effort and, and increased investment of time from parents to really help their kids establish some of those strategies. At school, kids have a lot of a lot of structure and maybe organization built in. We think about their their book bags and their lockers and how they keep things in their desk. We're having to create all of that from scratch at home if they don't have those spaces to store things. Um, so I think it's worth sitting down with those those kids ahead of time and, and periodically throughout the school year as well to really check in on their organization and offer some support when that seems to be needed. Strategies like rewards can work just as well, um, if not better for kids with ADHD. And, and we also need to incorporate maybe more frequent praise and reinforcement for on task and, and effortful behavior. Um, we want to be noticing the positive times and the, the efforts that they're making, as well as maybe redirecting them when we need to. Movement breaks are another big thing. And I think this is important for all students, but again, particularly for our kids with ADHD, you know, at school, depending on bell schedule, they're probably moving at least every probably 45 to 50 minutes. Um, we want to create some of those similar sort of breaks during the day for kids to get up, stretch, move around, get a drink of water so that they can also just refocus their energy um, before they get burnt out. In the spring, I was going into the office, so I wasn't really observing what was happening with the kids schooling, except for when I brought them to work with me. And something I've learned in just in the last few weeks is that they, their dad works from home, but he's not good at like actually feeding them lunch. And so there has been a real deficit in eating lunch in the daily household. Uh, I mean, really like, and his expectation is that they're old enough. They should be able to make themselves lunch and he's, and he's busy with work. But I was thinking that on the days that I'm not going to be able to be available to them, 
I think I'm going to be packing them lunches, not because they're going anywhere, but because I don't think that they will do this on their own that reliably. And a friend of mine who has two teenagers, we were kind of talking about the similar, a similar thing is that it's almost, it seems a little silly, but at the same time, I, she's finding that her boys aren't really reliably feeding themselves that well during the day. And then they're ravenously hungry when she gets home from work because they haven't done a good job regulating that for themselves. I think that's also a great opportunity to maybe use reminders. You know, a lot of us have these sort of smart devices in our homes, right? Can you set an automated reminder, you know, it's lunchtime or time for your break, you know, whether that's through a a calendar or again, like a Google Home sort of device can assist you when you're away or when you're otherwise engaged with work as well. One thing that I'm worried about is kids staying engaged, but not getting the benefit of the social piece of school. And Mm -hmm. so any ideas for having that reward, that social reward, that connection? Mm -hmm. This is an important topic too, because you know at school kids get just sort of the spontaneous social interactions throughout the day. Um, Now I think it's really important that families are are more intentional and deliberate in setting up those social activities and, and fostering those connections with friends. Even in a virtual learning context, I think it could be great to, you know, facilitate maybe small study groups if everybody's healthy. Maybe that could be outside. I love the idea of virtual lunches, um, you know, maybe with the whole classroom or if that's not possible than than at least with a group of peers that your child might normally associate with during a school day. You know, I I think that there are a lot of families asking this question right now, and it, it gives me hope too that there are going to be some other local sort of community groups that'll step up and maybe fill that gap. Um, I believe there are going to be some programs at the YMCA for kids to maybe do some virtual learning during the day. That's an option for your family. That could be, you know, I think something worth looking into. And, And then just on a family level, just making sure that we connect with neighbors, extended family members, cousins, if they're in the area in a safe, of course, way, uh, maintaining everybody's health, but really just trying to be deliberate about scheduling some of those social opportunities, you know, perhaps weekly, if, if that works for your schedule, um, if we can do that on a weekend or, you know, again, in an afternoon after school sort of time frame, the sports and I think extracurricular activities have been put on hold for now as well in the public schools. Um, so it may be worth looking into, you know, there's a, a, an online program called OutSchool where there are like arts classes and different things like that. Maybe parents could sign their kids up for those classes. It's virtual engagement with peers, but it's still an option um, that that maybe isn't there otherwise. Mm -hmm. I always think about this. So we moved a lot growing up. I think I started in a new school every few years. And so I'm always concerned about the the family that's not connected, that's new to the Mm -hmm. district, that's moved schools, that isn't connected. And so can't be setting up these lunch dates. And I want to encourage mm-hmm. parents to think about starting a virtual group with every member in your class so that you can offer groupings. Even if you don't know these kids, mm-hmm. don't only think about who your kids are friends with. Think about sure. ways to expand and continue to have your kids grow and meet new people and develop new relationships because I'm just Mm -hmm. so worried about the kids who aren't connected right now. So parents, please reach out to everyone in your class. It's a great point. You know, and and since kids aren't going to get to meet 
all of their classmates face to face, it would be nice to have at least those virtual opportunities to connect and, and even connect on a smaller group level outside of the virtual classroom. Um, so I, I think that's a wonderful idea. Get on it, parents. <laughs> <laughs> Chrissy, how would you be able to tune in to whether or not your child is struggling socially or emotionally? What would be some things that parents should be looking for? Again, a lot of kids are are probably struggling right now. I would say some degree of, of anxiety and apprehension going back to school is, is normal to an extent. Um, and we would expect that hopefully to decrease over time. Um, if parents see that their kids are struggling, you know, beyond maybe the first couple of weeks adjustment, particularly if they're seeing an impact on sort of day-to-day -day functioning and activities. You know, is your child who's, you know, normally very bubbly um, suddenly withdrawing to their room? Is your child talking about having trouble sleeping um, or have their eating patterns changed? Um, you know, some of those, again, basic routines that we can look at if our child is struggling to engage in even some of those basic tasks, um, it, it could be a sign that they're experiencing some emotional distress. Changes in sort of personality or behavior, if they're particularly irritable or snappy, and that's sort of a new behavior, that could be an indication that something is going on. You know, and when in doubt, ask. I think it's really important for parents to open the door on some of those conversations that, that can be uncomfortable for kids to initiate. Will they necessarily give you a, a full answer right away? No, but at least asking the question lets them know that you're ready to hear it. You know, when you notice that that your child is acting differently or, or struggling with some of those day-to-day functions, um, just check in and, and see if there's anything that you can support them with. I'm wondering about kids with anxiety and having to now interface with a screen and potentially be seen more. What are some ways that parents can try to support their kids if they're struggling with being anxious? I, I see that a lot in, in telehealth sessions, I would say, too. <laughs> That's a great point. First of all, some of the basics, right? So teaching your child how to be visible on camera and how to use the technology, how to ask questions in an appropriate way, maybe during a learning session. So offering, again, maybe some of that scaffolded support at the beginning to get them comfortable with, with the format they'll be using. If parents know what technology their school is, is using this year, I think it's a great idea to practice you know, in the weeks even leading up to school start, you know, running through some of the, the different websites and maybe bookmarking some of the important pages so that your child can have a little bit more certainty and maybe a little bit more even control over the circumstances, because I think a lot of kids with anxiety are struggling with that uncertainty right now. I think the other piece that comes up a lot for kids with anxiety in a virtual setting is that they're going to have to probably initiate and advocate for themselves differently than they might in the classroom. It's easier for teachers in a face-to-face -face setting to perhaps see if a child is struggling, whereas that might be harder to pick up online. And so I think parents, again, can sort of coach and support their kids and how to ask for help, you know, how to reach their teacher, whether that's individually or in the group context, maybe be prompting some of those things early on in the school year so that kids can get comfortable and familiar with the procedures, and then gradually, hopefully be able to pull back on that support as they develop more confidence to do it independently. Yeah, I would imagine it probably will feel really challenging initially to feel you can establish a relationship with a new teacher when you haven't had the opportunity to meet them in any way other than uh, virtually, virtually, which I guess 
you probably have a lot of experience with, with establishing therapy virtually, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I always like to joke, I'm a virtual stranger and you know, that can lighten the mood sometimes with kids mm -hmm. when we're meeting for the first time. <laughs> Any other tricks to try to get them to warm up over camera? Um, you know, I think that depends a little bit on the learning setting. Um, you know, I, I think in in one on one sessions, I have a little bit more flexibility. Sometimes I'll get kids to do, you know, some rapport building activities like show and tell types of things, you know, go grab something from your room. Um, let me meet your pet, that sort of thing. Again, that's not going to be possible in all learning environments. But I do hope that there's some of those icebreaker sort of group activities to get started early on. I would also encourage families, you know, to, to figure out how they can connect with the teacher, maybe on a one-on-one -on -one level. Um, could they do, you know, maybe a separate brief Zoom call? Could they send an email and, and just maybe correspond back and forth a little bit um, to get to know the child on a more personal individual level? It'll, it'll be interesting, I think, too, to see how schools approach that because you're right. It definitely is, is a different sort of circumstances to establish rapport and a trusting relationship when it's all all virtual. One of the other things that I've been thinking about with online school is is you know how parents can sort of model um, some some good behaviors at home related to you know a lot of parents are also working from home so can parents sort of be not necessarily co-learners with their child, but co-workers in the sense that, you know, we all have our, our screen time, our computer time, um, you know, maybe we meet for lunch and have a family lunch. Um, I think it's important for, for parents also to sort of model good work habits for their kids when they're working from home. It's hard when we're working from home to create a distinction too between sort of workspace and home space. So I think that that's really important for parents to keep in mind as well. When the school day is over and when your child has completed some of the tasks and, and the learning you know, classes that they needed to take. Remember that this is home too and, and positive activities to end the day, family meals, all of that will be important for your child to sort of create separation between the, the school home environment and then the relaxing sort of family home environment too. Any concerns about how much screen time the kids are going to be having if they're doing a full day of school? <laughs> How much sure. should we parents be freaking? <laughs> yeah. How much should we be worried about this? <laughs> you know, I, I think it's an inevitability and, and that in, in some ways I think can can maybe alleviate some of maybe parents' guilt about this happening, right? It's 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 a necessary step at this point that kids are spending this much time on screens. I would encourage families to set aside a, a period of time each day that is screen-free, and that goes for the whole family. You know, parents put your phones aside and, and turn the TV off and, and do some different types of activities, whether that's exercise or preparing a meal together, just really trying to create some separation from the screens because that you know, we already know that kids spend a ton of time on screens outside of school, you know, on social media and connecting with friends. So this is only going to compound the amount of time and it's reasonable to set aside theoretically like an hour or two each day. Um, kids are not on their screens. A lot of parents use screens as rewards, and now we're going to have to shift our reward strategies because mm -hmm. they're already on screens. That's going to be a tension that we'll have to be ironed out this, this year for sure. Chrissy, if, if parents feel like they're really not able to tackle this well or they're really struggling with managing 
their unique learners. What would be some next steps in trying to reach out for support? I, I definitely feel that that school is still a, a valuable resource that parents should reach out to. And, and as I said, schools have had a lot more time to prepare for this round of virtual learning than they did in the spring. Um, so, you know, collaborating with your child's teachers, um, guidance counselors, school administrators as needed um, to address any concerns that are coming up with the virtual learning context. And then I would say too, for parents, parents who just maybe need a bit more support in behavior management, whether that's setting up a, a reward system or establishing some of those routines, maybe managing behaviors in response to screen time limits, um, that parents should, should not hesitate to reach out to a mental health professional as well for additional support. For example, I have training in, in parent behavior management training. Um, so I work with parents directly to support their kids and to be sort of most effective parents that they can be under these unique and challenging circumstances. Um, so whether the child is, is ready to be invested in therapy or not, parents could seek that support just from a more sort of logistical level as well. So it sounds like you haven't given up hope on the idea that our kids can learn this fall. <laughs> I'm holding on to hope. Yes, I'm, I'm <laughs> cautiously optimistic. Um, and, and again, I, I think that there have been, I, I'm hopeful that there have been a lot of strides and a lot of plans in place for, for this adjustment. Feedback is important here too, right? And I think parents should, should be in touch with schools and communicate with their child's teachers about what's working and what's not, um, because we're all sort of figuring this out <laughs> together. Um, so it's important for parents to help close that feedback loop by being in in touch with the schools. Well, Chrissy, we are super grateful for you um, spending time with us today. I, I know maybe your arm was twisted a tiny bit, but maybe not. <laughs> if people need to find you, what is the best ways to reach out to you? Good question. Well, they can um, navigate right over to the BASE's website, um, www.findyourbase.com. Um, my information, um, both about my specialties and, and then my email address and contact information are there on the website. I would encourage families with questions uh, during the process of maybe getting a referral to call our office. Um, and the number for that would be 704-910-8381. Thank you very much, Chrissy. We're glad to have you. My pleasure. Thank you guys for having me and, and good luck with the school year. <laughs> to I'll all. be hitting you up more. <laughs> yes, I will be here. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Curious Mother. Please join our community and add your voice. Follow us on Instagram at The Curious Mother. Thanks for listening.